Okay, Father, we do thank you and praise you for this day. We thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you for this time that we have with one another. We, we pray, Father, that as we go through Psalm 100, you would help us to see who you are, and that as we look at you and examine you, Father, that we would have reason to give thanks in our lives uh, for all that you have done, both good and bad, in our lives, Lord, that we would be able to have a right perspective about our life and the things that we go through, knowing that you are sovereign, that you are good, and that all things do indeed work together uh, for good in our lives, whether it's pleasant or uncomfortable during the time. And so we come before you and we ask that you would lead us now. And it's in Christ's good name, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, Psalm 100. Uh, Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. And Father, we do uh, thank you uh, for your word today. We ask that you would lead us this day, and it's in Christ's good name, I pray. Amen. All right, again, the last three weeks, I've quoted the same verse over and over again. First uh, Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus, that we, as followers of God, we are, we are commanded throughout the scriptures that, that we are supposed to be a people who are grateful people, who are thankful people, as we as a nation celebrate Thanksgiving on Thursday. This is a, a week really supported by the scriptures that, that we indeed should be grateful people. Uh, it doesn't come naturally to us, um, and our culture really does embrace sort of entitlement. Uh, all marketing is sort of based on this sort of the, the idea or the premise that you are lacking, that you're not content. And so they have something that they can sell to you that will make your life meaningful, better in some way. Sometimes it's true, but ultimately uh, what the world has to offer will fall short of, of satisfying what we actually need. And so the subscript of this psalm, a lot of psalms will have a little inscription at the top sort of saying the purpose of the psalm. And this one, the subscript is, a psalm for Thanksgiving. Now, there was no Thanksgiving back in these days. It's a, a very American holiday that we celebrate. But the idea of being thankful and celebrating Thanksgiving uh, is something that has been around for a long time. So in Psalm 100, there are seven commands within the first four verses. So the first four verses, there's only five verses, in the first four verses, there's all sorts of commands of things that we are to do. And it can be very, uh, I don't want to say dangerous, but it can get us going the wrong direc- uh, direction if in the scripture we focus on the things that we're supposed to do without understanding sort of the surface level or the reason why we're doing these things or the certain things that we're instructed to do. And so verse 5 explains the sort of the foundation, the reason, the cause that we should be doing the things that are instructed in the first four verses. And so I want to start sort of backwards. I've done this the last couple of weeks, sort of 
start at the ending so that we understand the things that are going to be instructed to us, the things that we're instructed to do. And so in verse 5, we get this truth. In the very beginning, the foundation of everything, and I believe is the foundation of our gratitude, is for the Lord is good. That's just really simple. I know that sometimes we sing a song around here, the goodness of God. And the whole premise of that song is that God is good. And because God is good, goodness flows out of him. We're the recipients of his goodness, and we can just sort of bask in his goodness. His goodness uh, should really profoundly affect who we are, and it should permeate everything that we do and think, knowing that we have a, a God who loves us, cares for us, and just his character is goodness. 16 times, I think, I have it in my notes. I was very gracious in my counting. Don't take this as like gospel. I didn't read this by anybody with like thick glasses. That's a skull. I just kind of was like, I think there's about 16 times in this short psalm where we are directed to focus on God, to sort of look, look at him. And as we look upon God, as we look to him, things sort of change. Our perspective adjusts in our life. I love this song by Keith Green, Make My Life a Prayer to You. And in that, and in that song, there's a line that's profound. And what he, what he sings is, oh, it's so hard to see when my eyes are on me. And that's how we tend to walk. That's our, that's our default as we walk. We walk around this world. We look at our life and we're just looking at ourselves. And if we're, and it just gets everything off kilter. Thanksgiving makes a lot of sense to me as a Christian. Our, our bearing is God. We look to him. We give thanks to him. It's a holiday that's kind of, I would say, in large part in our society is received well and is, is looked upon. I, out of curiosity, I was like, hey, well, how do atheists handle Thanksgiving? And, and I found a writer. This, on a, there's an atheist website out there, and there's an article about Thanksgiving, which was fascinating. Oh, there's probably more than one. <laughs> I heard just one. I'm surrounded by my kind of people, the star cat. The, I, I found one of the many. Um, but they write there, and there's a lot of good in this. But it says, there are many people whom we should thank because of how they help us either live at all or just live better. A common thread in these cases is precisely the fact that it is humans who are responsible for that which we should be thankful so it is humans who we should be thinking. At no point are gods, lowercase g, plural, involved, even if they exist. Gods aren't responsible for which we should be thankful. So there is no point in thanking them. On Thanksgiving, don't waste your time with prayers or poems about God or empty religious rituals. Instead, do something meaningful, like talking to your children about all the human beings who work, often anonymously, to improve our lives Stop and reflect on these people and how your life has been benefited. Now, there's a lot of good in this, but there's almost like, oh, my God, uh, that last song we sang, I don't know if it was the last time we sang it, but it's the time I remember we sang it. I called, big earthquake, you answered. <laughs> I kind of felt like reading that, that sort of situation would strike us again because it is, it just seems like dangerous. God, like, certainly we should give thanks to people. When I look at the Apostle Paul, the example he set for how to do this in Romans 1.8, what he writes is, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. And we can look at the people in our lives who have done a lot of goodness. I look around this church, and there are tons of people 
who have, have blessed my life immensely. And I'm deeply thankful for the people and relationships that I have in my life. And we can be thankful for them. And I think it's like God who placed these people in my life. It's God who created these individuals. It's God who has given us our, our personalities, our quirks, how we go about things. And so to thank God for how he's created people is, I think, the foundation for how we're supposed to go about this. And he says, for the Lord is good. And so from that foundation, we can continue the goodness of God. It was Jesus who said, when somebody said, I believe you're a good teacher, and he sort of stopped him in Luke, uh, Luke 18, verse 19. And he said, hey, time out. You just referred to me as good, and I just want to make sure that we're on the same sheet of music. You understand when you use the word good, there's only one who is good, and that's God. And he didn't say I wasn't good. I mean, not me, but Jesus. And he said, no, I am good, but you have to understand who I am. That there's something pure. It's, there's an intrinsic beauty of God's goodness that only he possesses. And so we, we start there. And in saying this, I also, like I understand that so often as we approach the goodness of God, there are many of us who bear scars wounds from our earthly fathers. And so because our earthly fathers have hurt us or wronged us, we have a hard time imagining what this goodness of our father in heaven looks like. Richard Strauss says this on the goodness of God, because God himself is the highest and greatest good. He is also the source and foundation of all other good. He does good things. He extends his goodness to others It is his nature to be kind, generous, and benevolent, to demonstrate goodwill towards men, and to take great pleasure in making them happy. Because God is good, he wants us to have what we need for our happiness, and he sees that it is available to us. Every good thing we now enjoy or ever hope to enjoy flows from him, and no good thing has ever existed or ever will exist that does not come from his good hand. This is a beautiful picture of who God is. And then the psalmist continues and he says, his loving kindness is everlasting. This word loving kindness in the Old Testament is a super profound and difficult word to understand. Uh, Commentators, you can get lost in people trying to sort of bring to into sort of color what this word means. It's chesed, and it's just this beautiful word of sort of God's patience, his love, like loving, his loving kindness. It's with the English word. It's kindness and love merged together. One author writes this, Stephen Cole. He says this Hebrew word chesed, it comes from their word for stork. The Hebrews noticed how storks had an uncommon love for and protection of their young. They built their nests securely in high trees. And so they said God's love for his own is like that. He nurtures us and protects us from all enemies. He cares for us and feeds us. His love does not depend on us, but, is a, but on his eternal nature, which is good which is beautiful. It's just this word of loving kindness that we have this father in heaven that is nurturing and kind and gentle for us. 
His care for you is real. He is loyal. He is trustworthy. And he is faithful. Which goes on to his next point and his faithfulness to all generations. And so his faithfulness speaks of reliability that we can count upon God, that we can lean on him. We can know that he'll be there when we need him, which is always. We can count on him through his word, through our salvation, through his comfort, through his security, through his provision for us, the peace that he provides us. He is faithful, totally and completely, and we can count on him. And so in this first verse, which is the last verse, so verse 5, where we learn that God is good. His loving kindness is everlasting. He is faithful to all generations. Therefore, because of these truths, we are supposed to respond in a certain way towards him, which is where the first four verses go. Verse 1 reads, shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. So there's this command that we are to shout joyfully to the Lord. I just love this picture of joy. When I think upon this shouting joyfully to the Lord all the earth, the image that comes to my mind is sort of when you put the kids to bed, and especially our two little boys, and they're supposed to be going to sleep, but I can just hear the shenanigans and the laughter and the like this, like the raw like joy and happiness. They're like, well, I know I should go break up the party. But man, they're just like loving life. You know, his parents are like, it's like they should be in bed, but let's, as long as there's no crying, we'll just let them go. You know, like that there should be this, just this like bubbling with like emotion to the Lord of the earth. We're commanded to serve the Lord with gladness. That we who are his children, this is not a spectator sport, that we are to walk with God, we're to honor him, we're to live our lives for him with service, we're to serve him with gladness. And as we serve him and as we step out in service, there's something that he does within us. That if you're walking with God and you're not serving, there's something that will be lacking within you. Ephesians 2.10 tells us, for we are his workmanship, that's poema, created, which it's almost like, it's like we are a picture of God's poetry and how he created us. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which are prepared beforehand that we would walk in him. The two verses previous, verses 8 and 9, make it very clear that our salvation is based on God's grace alone. We receive salvation by his grace, through our faith in him, not by works, lest no man can boast. But then the very next word or phrase goes on to say that we were created to do good works. This isn't for salvation. This isn't for earning God's love. This isn't for keeping or maintaining God's love. It's because God has created us and designed us to do certain things that bring him glory. And I think also bring us contentment when we are living in our purpose as he has called us to live There's something wonderful in being in that place where you can serve the Lord with gladness. And we're instructed to do this always. We're instructed to come before him with joyful singing. So we're to shout joyfully. Now we're to come before him with joyful singing. Now singing is a weird thing, especially if you're not a musically inclined person. I am totally not musically inclined. 
I always feel bad because I like sit here and I belt it away right in front of Don. I notice that they got earplugs and they're like, oh, no, no, it's for the music so we can hear the beats and stuff. I'm like, I'll, I'll go with that. <clears throat> but music was never anything that was like important to me. Um, and then as I gave my life to Christ and I started to realize that, that the whole singing at church wasn't like a little mini concert to warm you up. It was a time for us to actually sing to our creator. And then it totally transformed my concept of, of singing, that we were to come before him with joyful singing, that this is a, in my heart, I have joy because of what God has done for me, who he is, and I want to sing to him to give thanks and gratitude to him because he's good. He's faithful. He's kind towards me. And so now I just let her rip. I mean, this is a theme that, that comes up sort of week after week going through the Psalms because it's a book of singing. And I always laugh when Anna's like, yeah, I was like, she's gotten over it. I mean, I've not gotten over it, but she's aware now that in the, at how our building is wired, that there, there are times when I'm singing and she's like, I think that Robert forgot to mute Gunner and he's singing, but it's just my voice like making it around. And it's never, a, it's not really a compliment. I mean, it's a compliment in that I'm actually singing and I'm letting her rip, but it's not doing the worship team any favors. Um, and uh, yeah. Yeah, well, I'm just thinking, I, never mind. I just, <laughs> I had the friend that, that there's a torture box and they took the recording of me singing and they put it set to this, like torturing some poor lady that's, and it's like, it wasn't me doing it, but it was, it was my singing to the video. They re, it was really funny. It really makes my point. I'm not going to, I don't think I have the video here, so I'm not going to show it to you to spare me and you. Okay, let's move on to verse three. Okay, so the next thing we're supposed to do is to know, like knowledge, know that the Lord himself is good. This is sort of basic, to know that the Lord himself is God, that we have a God, we have a creator, we have a maker, we have one that has done all things, and just knowing that there is a God, this is a good place to start to orientate our lives. We're not just some random sort of happenstance that we just happen to be here because everything's sort of lined up and we're to come and we're to know and acknowledge that the Lord himself is God. This is, this sort of speaks of humility and reverence towards him. Um, the other day, Anna, like I forgot what she brought. I keep talking about Anna today, but she brought up this, there's this like world renowned photographer, Peter Lick. He's from Australia. He's, he's, a, he's their equivalent of Ansel Adams. He takes these beautiful pictures of landscapes. No lenses, no anything. If you Google him, you can find him. He's got a Wikipedia page. Well, all I know is back when I was a Navy SEAL and we're down in Australia, this guy Peter started hanging out with our group, and we just treated him like he was one of the guys. We were not very respectful to him. We were not anything. He had this little entourage with him, and I remember after a couple days, he kept inviting us to his room, like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Like, I don't want to go to your studio. That just seems stupid. Like, I'm like, this is like our attitude towards him. He goes to the bathroom and one of the ladies like grabs our seal platoon and she's like, do you have any idea who Peter, who this Peter Lick is? And we're like, I don't know. He's got some studio. He's Australian. 
I don't know. He seems like a nice guy. He's like, no, you guys need to be more respectful. This is like a world-renowned photographer, and you're just treating him like he's garbage. And she really scolded us. And I think sometimes, it was, and then I was like, on the last day, I'm like, well, maybe I'll go check out a studio. And the guy's like really, really, really famous. And then Anna and I get married on our little honeymoon in San Francisco. We're walking down Pier 39, and there's like a Peter Lick. I'm like, hey, I know that guy. <laughs> like I, and I'm like, if I could have gone back, I probably would have treated him a little bit more respectfully. Or like a little, I don't know. But I think the point is like the, the author is telling us, understand who we're dealing with that God is God. And I do think this is why the the Proverbs speak of like wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord, that we approach him understanding who he is and who we are. Knowledge of God is super important. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Again, truths. Did you make yourselves? No. We are created beings. We have a God who loves us, who created us. Saved or unsaved, God is your creator. He has paid for your debt. He desires you to enter into a relationship with you. He wants us to honor him. He wants us to be thankful. He instructs us in verse 4 to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. We have so much to be thankful for. We may not always feel like it, but it is always God's will for us to be a grateful people, to be able to thank him in the midst of our pain, to be able to thank him in the midst of our joy, to to thank him in between sort of every single emotion that flows between those two places. Again, 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks to him and bless his name. So like, obviously, what do we do? What do we do with this passage? God wants us to be a thankful people to understand who God is. And as we understand who he is and we look upon him, it's super easy to give thanks. Um, I'm running out of thankful games. We've been through the gamut. We did just a time of Thanksgiving uh, two weeks ago. We did. I made you guys do the thankful game last week. I don't have the alphabet there, so we can't do it this week because there's no way I can do the alphabet out of memory. But what I want to do is, what we're going to do is we're going to take just like, uh, uh, just like a little bit of silence, just long enough for you and your mind to think of something that you are thankful for, and then then we'll all just blurt out that whatever you came all together all at once. Super shorter this way. And we can get to the donuts. Okay? Let's just, just, take, a, just take a couple seconds. Think of something you're thankful for. Anybody struggling? We good? I had time to think about mine. Okay, so on the count of three, just blurt out your whatever you're thankful for. So one, two, three. Thankful for my family. Hey, that was easy. All right, let's pray. Father, we do thank you and praise you for this day. We thank you for your your word. We thank you for the Psalms. We thank you as the scriptures uh, point us to you. We thank you for this reality that you indeed are good, 
that you indeed embody loving kindness, that you care for us, you love us, you desire us to walk with you in relationship. We thank you for the work that Jesus did on the cross on our behalf. We thank you that we can have a relationship with you, not by our own works, but based on the work of Jesus, that we come to you to receive your grace simply by faith, understanding that it's your nature, your character that has moved us from sin and death to life and hope, and that we can have joy in the midst of life's difficult circumstances. Father, we are just so, so grateful. Father, you heard everything that we said, or maybe there are people here who didn't shout out what they were thankful for, but we do thank you, God. You are so good to us, and I pray that you would help us to see all the things in our life that you have provided for us that we can be grateful for. I pray, Father, that you would nurture us, that you would teach us, Lord, how to be grateful when things aren't going so great. Uh, this This can be a difficult season. I think about those who have lost parents this year. I'm self, my, myself am one. I think about Brian and Doug, who just this weekend, going into Thanksgiving, lost their, their fathers. And so, Father, we pray for those two guys, especially, Lord, that you would encourage them and encourage their families this week. Father, we love you and we praise you. And it's, it's in Christ's good name I pray. Amen.